So we're in week two of a kind of four-week series as we settle into a new space together. And uh, each week we're just taking one word. Rest, reflect, redirect, and reconnect. Last week was rest. Uh, Jesus' invitation in Matthew chapter 11, come to me all who are tired and burdened and I will give you rest. And we talked about how a lot of people coming out of the season that we've just had feel tired and burdened in a number of ways. And there was this fresh invitation from Jesus to experience his rest. This week, we consider the word reflect. And we do so through the story of Mary and Martha. And this story kind of provides us with an opportunity to reflect on our own lives. I don't know if any of you have had this experience over the last year, but I've talked to some parents who have and uh, some people in particular professions, that things happened in such rapid succession over the last 12 to 16 months. It was just like one tidal wave after another. People feel like they actually, ha actually haven't had time to process and reflect upon all that's happened in their lives. And so they find themselves kind of on the back end here going, whoa, 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 whoa. I need to sit still and think about what all this has meant for me. And so that, this story does that. It, it, it asks us to consider what fills our hearts and minds in this time. What anxieties are we carrying at home or at work or at church? And, and how do we really feel about the people in our lives? That's so much of what's underneath uh, Martha. What are our expectations of other people in our lives? And how do we really feel about the way they're responding to some given situation? And then how are we relating to Jesus? And so I think this passage has this effect of in the midst of our busy, kind of fast-paced, hyper-scheduled lives, it stops us right in our tracks and it says, hold on a moment, pause, reflect on your life in the presence of the Lord. One of my friends that I got to know in Scotland, his name is Jared, and he's a, he's a pastor of a good old Presbyterian church in St. Andrews, Scotland. And as you know, that's kind of the headquarters of things in the UK in some ways. And... Um, we went to school together and got to know each other, and last time I was there visiting, he was telling me about a story of a woman that he was talking to in his congregation, and she was telling him how she has been serving and serving for like 20 years in the church, at work, in her family, all these different places, just serving, 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 but she feels like there's no sense of joy in her life. There's no sense of God's like delight in her, in her life, and she just didn't know what to do with that. So my friend, being a pastor, said, well, what is it that you think God wants from you? And he said, she just went on and on. She started talking about all the things she's involved in, all the things she's done over the life, and he just let her talk until she had nothing left to say. And he said, so what do you think God wants from you? And he said, there was a long silence after which she said, I guess maybe the Lord wants me? And he said, that's right. The Lord wants you. Not all the stuff you can do for him, not all the ways you can serve him, but he just wants you. See, Jesus says, Mary has chosen the good portion, verse 42, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus, ha Mary has accepted that invitation from Jesus, come to me and I will rest you. And Mary shows us what it looks like to receive the rest for which we were made, to experience the good life in the presence of the Lord. Now, there's this kind of honorable and venerable tradition in the church of interpreting the story of Mary and Martha in terms of the distinction between the active life and the contemplative life. 
So according to this long tradition, Martha exemplifies the act of life, seeking to serve Christ for the sake of his kingdom. And Mary exemplifies the contemplative life, just enjoying being in Christ's presence for Christ's own sake. And the reason why uh, people think that Luke might have had something like this in mind is that the episode of Mary and Martha is sandwiched by the parable of the Good Samaritan and Jesus teaching the Lord's Prayer, teaching his disciples how to pray. And so it's thought that the parable of the Good Samaritan typifies for us the act of life of mercy towards one's neighbor. And the Lord's Prayer typifies for us the contemplative life of enjoyment of one's heavenly Father. And so the Mary and Martha episode, according to this, is put right in the middle, and it's Jesus' way of saying, these two things are important, but the, uh, the contemplative life of sitting at my feet is particularly central to what it means to follow me. So it goes, opportunities to serve will come and go, but the one thing that will never be taken from us is the opportunity to sit at Jesus' feet. Uh, The medieval monastic thinker Bernard of Clairvaux said, enjoying God for God's sake is the highest form of love. It's what we've been created for. And that's what Mary's enjoying at the feet of Jesus. Now, that's kind of the historic interpretation, but one of the things actually couches the language of the scene in the context of hospitality. So if, if it's not just about two different forms of the Christian life, but it's about two different forms of hospitality that are being offered to Jesus in this scene. So you see verse 38, they went on their way and Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha opened her home to him, literally welcomed him into her house. It's the language of hospitality. And so the question becomes here, like what kind of hospitality is going to be offered to Jesus? And what kind of hospitality does Jesus desire from his hosts? Now as In that day, when a special teacher entered into a village, it was a unique honor and privilege. Like, if you were a special rabbi or teacher, you normally stuck to the cities where you could gather a pretty large crowd and gathering and uh, have a sense of notoriety and importance importance among the kind of intellectual elites of the day. You normally didn't travel to kind of hodunk town villages in the middle of nowhere. So when a major teacher or rabbi of some reputation came into a small village, it was a huge deal. So the village would often gather together and decide who is going to host the rabbi that is coming in. Because we have to find the person who's going to be able to offer him the most extravagant and best hospitality that our village has to offer. Because this is about a lot more than one person. This is about the whole reputation of the village here. And so a lot more is riding on the line here than simply Martha's dinner menu. (laughs) You have the whole hopes and desires of a village. And I just thought to myself, isn't that often how it is in our jobs, in our ministries? We often feel more weight on our shoulders than just our own. And it's not hard to imagine the scene, a clay pot bubbling with some sort of stew over an open fire, the scent of spices filling the air of the house, chopped vegetables and dates and fresh olives on a platter. Mary in the kitchen doing everything she can, probably some sort of type A personality. Her hands smell of the herbs that she has picked that day. Her apron is splashed and stained with sauce. 
Her brow glistens from sweat of cooking over the open fire. She's juggling multiple dishes at once, <laughs> trying to get the taste and the timing just right so that she honors the beloved guest. And then there's Mary just sitting there, <laughs> captivated by Jesus. Can't take her eyes off her, hanging on every single word. And, and how do we interpret this? I mean, is she totally oblivious? Um, is, is she blatantly unconcerned? Or um, is she lazy? Or does she not see the needs and cares of her sister right next to her? I mean, I'll leave you to figure it out which Enneagram type um, Mary and Martha are. I'm not an expert in that sort of thing. But one thing is for sure is that in this scene, Mary stands out like a sore thumb, visibly and socially. Like visibly, it's helpful to understand a little bit of the architecture of ancient Mr. Middle Eastern homes and, and villages. They were normally two bedrooms. So two bedrooms, either a bedroom top and bottom, or a bedroom kind of conjoined side by side here, two rooms. And normally cooking, dining, hosting, and oftentimes sleeping would happen in the same room. And so what's happening here is all visually happening right in front of the crowd of people that are there. People would have visibly seen the juxtaposition between the way that Martha is seeking to offer hospitality and what Mary has chosen to do in this situation. And people would have felt the tensions of their different ways of relating to Jesus in this. And then you have the social aspect that the woman's role often in the ancient world would, in this situation, would have been relegated to cooking and serving and being the one to offer the hospitality. Only men were allowed to become disciples of a rabbi. Only men were allowed to sit at the rabbi's feet. Only men were allowed to learn to read and write and understand and interpret and teach Torah. And so for, if you were one of the guests there this day, this would have been a doubly astonishing fact. Visually, you would have seen this juxtaposition between Martha and Mary, and you would have felt the tension between them bubbling up in your own soul, <laughs> the family tensions. And you would have seen the juxtaposition between what the men are doing and what the women are doing and what Mary is choosing to do. And so it eventually boils over, and Martha goes up to Jesus and says in verse 40, Lord, do you not care? Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to come help me. It's a question that's echoed throughout the Gospels many times. The disciples are in the boat in the middle of a storm. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? See, part of the Christian life is learning not to hold back our real questions. Jesus likes to deal with us where we actually are, not where we'd like to be. Now, Jesus doesn't often answer the questions that people pose to him. He's more often interested in addressing the real emotions and experiences and concerns that lay underneath the questions that are brought to him, and that's what Jesus does here. He turns to Martha and he says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and you're troubled about many things, but only one thing is is really needed here right now, Martha. In other words, Martha, you're so focused on the many things that you need to do and how you're going to do them and what's going to happen if you don't do them and if they don't turn out right and how people are going to think about you if things go awry. 
that you've missed the one thing that is really key to good hospitality in my kingdom, and that's being present with your guest. Jesus commends Mary because this is the one thing that she has chosen to do in this situation, is to practice the presence of the Lord and to cherish every word that comes from his lips. And Jesus says quite simply, not in a condemning voice, but like in a caring voice for Mary, seeing the burdens that she's carrying says, I mean, for Martha, seeing the burdens she's carrying and says, Mary has chosen it. I just want you to be with me in this moment. You know, some of us know people who love to receive and receive, but have a tough time themselves giving back. Do you know anyone like that? <laughs> Others serve and serve and give and give, but they have a really tough time receiving. Do you know anyone like that? Here Jesus is speaking to those of us who love to serve and love to give, but have a tough time receiving. Who constantly pour themselves out for others, who really love to say yes and have a difficult time saying no, and who always see the more that needs to be done and fill their lives with the constant activity of doing that more and find themselves so often distracted by much serving, often in the name of Jesus, often for the sake of his kingdom, often lots of really and really good things, but eventually they find themselves depleted, agitated, maybe even angered and burnt out. See, I think Jesus here is inviting us into this posture of receptivity that is core to what it means to be his follower. To hear from him. To receive from his word. And so a few questions that I think may be worth us asking ourselves in this season is how do I need to hold the many things in my life? And I don't know what that is for you, but I'm sure each one of you has many things. How do I need to hold the many things in my life differently so as to attend to the one thing? Or in what ways is my serving or my working or my vocational aspirations an expression of internal anxiety rather than a living encounter with the presence of the Lord? Maybe even a more piercing question. Which of the many things in my life may I need to give up or say no to in order to sit at Jesus' feet? I remember the first time I ever preached this passage. Actually, I think it was the only time before this. <laughs> um, it was a university group and young adults group in Canada. And um, the next week, a, a woman named Katie came up to me, and she was a brand new Christian. So like every passage we were talking about from the Bible was the first time she heard it. And it was amazing to watch her response because the freshness of it would just land and she'd be like, this changes my life. And so she came up to me the next, uh, the next week after talking about Mary and Martha and she's like, I quit two classes from my schedule. I was like, oh my gosh, are you going to graduate in time? <laughs> and she's like, no. I was like, are you sure that's a good idea, Katie? And she looked at me with just dead conviction and she said, yes, it is. She said, school can wait. But she said, one thing that can't wait right now is sitting at the feet of the Lord and getting to know him. And I was taking so many classes in my life up to this point. There's no way I would have space 
for that. And I was just set back and said, let the student teach the teachers. We live in a fast-paced, over-scheduled, hyper-active world. And the demands and the needs and the opportunities are endless. I mean, if you live in Orange County, you've got everything at your fingertips. If you're an outdoors person, you can be like surfing one moment and you know, snowboarding the next. There's always another Facebook post to make. There's always another book to read or in a lot of our cases to write. There's always another raise to get, another job to seek. There's always another adventure to enjoy. And whatever it is, however good and noble, and all these things are so often good and noble, that's why they're hard to deny. The temptation is always for the many things to distract us, draw us away from the one thing. But Jesus says the many things will one day pass away. But the only thing that will not be taken from Mary is the presence of her Lord. So I wonder if last week there was an invitation to rest, and this week there is this invitation to reflect, to honestly, in light of Mary and Martha, reflect on our lives. American poet and civil rights activist James Baldwin once said, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it's faced. What is the Lord inviting you to face today? What anxieties, what troubles, what distractions? What is he inviting you to name in your own life? Because he's not just some distant historical figure. He is the risen and ascended Lord who is present to us now by the power of his Holy Spirit, and he speaks to us. He knows our inner anxieties and deepest concerns, and he wants to share his life with us. So he says, come. Stop your serving for just a moment. Stop your fretting and sit at my feet. Receive from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Our psalm says, blessed is the person who walks not in the way of the wicked or stands in the seat of sinners, I mean, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on it day and night. What that psalm is saying to us in light of Jesus Christ is that day and night, there's Jesus inviting us to his feet afresh, saying, I have a word for you. My brothers and sisters, I speak these things to you with joy in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.